0: Hello to our Millennium Live listeners. Welcome back to another episode on the Millennium Live podcast series. My name is Connor Tui, and I'm very happy to be here to be talking healthcare today and for this episode. We have a very interesting discussion, and I have two really interesting guests to talk all about this Digital black bag, just in time training for the digitalized health system, and I want to welcome our our two guests on the podcast today. First, we have we have Bobby Zarr. He is the vice president of healthcare strategy at UPerform. Uh, Bobby superheads the healthcare management team over at UPerform, helping health systems change the way software training is conducted. With digital learning so- solutions and Bobby, thanks for uh, thanks for joining the podcast today, man. Good to have you here.
1: Happy to be here.
0: And we also have with us uh, Dr. David Butler. He is the CEO of Calix Partners, as well as uh, being an industry expert and respected thought leader himself for EHR implementation, stabilization, and ongoing optimization. He's got over 20 years of experience as an internist, pediatrician, physician executive, and consultant. Dr. Butler has advised organizations on clinical and IT governance, identification of high value optimization opportunities, and realization of value from EHR implementation, something that we're going to be talking a lot about today. Dr. Butler, thank you so much for joining Millennium Live as well. It's good to have you here.
2: Oh, good to be here. Thanks a lot. Look forward.
0: So, so let's dive right into it. And I want to start with you, uh, with you, Doctor Butler. You know, talking about the this um, idea of of expanding and optimizing the EHR. So, you know, since the introduction of the electronic health record and and big data, you know, technology has really transformed the role of the everyday physician. And um, you know, it. it while it has its great benefits and, and which I'm sure is, is, you know, beneficial, there's definitely benefits to to having something like this and, and expanding technology, but there's also frustration for it. So let's talk about that. So Dr. Butler, you know, as as a former CMIO yourself at several large health systems, you know, including Bon Secure and the Guthrie Clinic, how is the you know, how's the day in the life of physician of a physician changed in uh, the 2020s?
2: Uh, well, I'll tell you how hasn't it would probably be an easier uh, uh, question, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I see this. Here's what here's what I'm saying over and over. A lot of the frontline docs out here they have, they they're just having to see more patients. I mean, they're at least 30 a day. Okay, they're shorter on staff. Right, they're also um, patients that come in are a lot a little bit more sicker, I'll say, meaning back in the, just like 20 years ago, there are things over the counter now that they can take that used to be prescription, right? And then uh, add to that, uh, when they come in, they're a little bit sicker, they're going to need a little bit more time. Okay. The doctor visits are getting shorter, right? And uh, secondly, it's like they're quasi educated on their illness. Dr. Google may have helped them a little bit before they came (laughs) to me, right? And next thing you know, I'm having a discussion about Dr. Google's diagnosis and why it's different than mine, <laughs> right? That's more time taken, but also at risk of them ranking me low and press gainy. You know, when they go home, they say, how was your visit with Dr. Butler? Okay. <laughs> okay, so what's happening is you see the consumerization of healthcare, right? So patients are turning into customers, okay? Uh, physicians are turning into providers. All these new terms and kind of vogue. So to the traditional physician, traditional healthcare industry, that's a bit off-putting, right? And so that's what we're seeing. Vendors also. They're rolling out these updates, hot, fast, and furious. Uh, Just like Apple, you'll wake up one morning, the red dot's there, now it's gone. But you got 20 new features that you have no clue what they do or can they benefit, benefit you. And Bobby knows, Bobby knows, this is what we talk about all the time. These features that come out so fast, hot and heavy. And we're expecting docs to just figure it out, you know. And so those are some things. And also, I think just lack of resources that can handle that speed. Right, most healthcare hospital systems—they're losing staff due to just the new work environment, right? So they don't have the trainers, they don't have the analysts to dissect it out to really market those real cool things, right? So those are some challenges because we have docs on the front line that they got their helmets on, chin straps tight, ready to do a good job. But if you don't have the trainers or the folks that can help them, then that's a challenge. And also, just working to the top of your licensure, right? I mean, what that means is. You got an M.A. in the clinic. We need to make sure that M.A. does as much as legally regulatory possible and policy of that healthcare care system. Right. And what we're finding is they're not. And so that work is being pushed to the position electronically. So the doctor's digital black bag is getting really crowded with other stuff in there. Right. And so those are all part of it. So, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby definitely has some takes on it because you've seen it. you trained trained yeah. Bobby and you see it now.
1: And you got to pull I, I love the imagery of the digital black bag and the things we keep yeah. Up in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, what we've learned is we've had to pull things out. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the volume of change and the volume of just, I mean, we talk about counting clicks in the industry now. Who would have ever thought 20 years ago we would even use the term counting clicks counting uh, click when the mouse group. was invented in 1964, whenever it was. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever imagined that we would have to sit down and worry about the number of times somebody has to click on a mouse, but that's part of what we have Absolutely. had to look at even from a training and optimization uh, standpoint. But then the other piece is is we're requiring them to know things that they really don't need to know that aren't part of their job anymore. Uh, that, you know, were never part of their job to begin with, but because we didn't have a way to automate it, we didn't really know how to automate it. We said it's their responsibility, for example, oh, like goodness. that. Uh, discharge medrec.
0: Who's oh, responsible great, great for discharge Medrack?
1: You know, the <laughs> attending position. You know, coming in, whoever's going to be discharging that. Well, he doesn't really have a clue of any of that. But because it's automated, it's in the computer. We got to get the data in the computer. Suddenly, it falls on somebody's shoulders who really doesn't have that responsibility. That's not mm-hmm. their expertise. But mm-hmm. we push that off on them. So many things like that have happened that have caused you know yeah. that black bag to become full. Yeah.
2: That, that med rec is a great example, too. I mean, med rec is just a mess right now across the U.S. I can say this confidently, and you can quote me on it, whatever, and no one's going to – I got. I know the data. We know the data. Med rec is where – what it means to normal folks is you go in the hospital and ED, what's supposed to happen in the hospital the clinic every time, they should look at what, what meds you take, meaning that bag that's on your refrigerator up there, you know, grandma's refrigerator, bring that in. We're supposed to measure – look at that. And then we're supposed to see what's in our computer and we reconcile and make it right. That is a lot of effort work on not only the patient, but also the clinic. And so if the doctor ends up having to do that, which happens a lot, (laughs) that's laughable, right? (laughs) And so that's where we are, though, because some of these computer systems won't allow or or the companies that own the electronic or the companies that purchase electronic health records, they may have blocked the nurse or certain people from uh doing that because it may not fit their job description that was probably more in the paper world than the electronic world so what you're saying is a catch-up and what bobby was saying automating we now can automate it let's automate it or create process technical processes to get it done without the position being the one to do it because they're really like the golden geese really i mean
0: well that's a you bring up a good point dr butler and that kind of leads me into my next question you know about technology and and maybe where we are right now you know you've led several ehr optimization and transformation projects for health systems across the country and you know based on your experience here you know where is healthcare falling short in this debate where where are they falling short in its adoption you know wh- whether it be automation you know some strategies that we've been talking about already and, and, and overall use of technology and and where do we move forward with this?
2: All right, Bobby, this was, this one, this one's for you, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby never knows what I'm going to say.
1: He never, and I don't either. I really don't. So I just <laughs> no, don't we've know. had this discussion over and over again. It's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, part but, of the as problem as, was yeah. David will talk about user experience and uh, yeah, uh, user the experience. interface for the EHR. And, yeah. and the yeah. analogy that I use is when the EHR first came out and the, you know, prominent systems that we know of out there they had great features i mean Mm -hmm. they had a lot of features on there but (laughs) what they did was they created their user interface was like going into a restaurant with a menu that has everything just listed no organization to it whatsoever so if you want an appetizer you got to go through four pages to find out that you know do they have a you know simple uh uh appetizer don't want to have or you know is it all the way down buried underneath the uh the steak and the foie gras and mm-hmm. all the other stuff that I really don't want. I end up having to dig through 10 pages of information. Would you go to a restaurant and be able to uh, uh eat like that? No, but that's really the way the user interface was. It just had everything on there everything in your up. face. And it's like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And,
2: and and on that, Bobby, so as a doctor, we gotta remember like we think uh in shades of gray meaning that we can't lock in on it, this or that. A patient comes in, they could be twins, okay? This medication, Allegra D or whatever we prescribe works perfect for this one, but the next one may not work. So we cannot, we have to think in shades of gray, whereas IT technology is very binary, black and white, right? Ones and zeros, right? So I think what has happened though, is they, when an EHR vendor or folks start getting requirements, say, what do we need to build? What do they need? We need a lot because we're dealing with very complex humans. So I think what has occurred was they tried to create a system that can manage all of the complexities of it, but sacrificing user experience, user interface. It's getting better slowly over the years where a physician that sees a patient with diabetes, when they open up the screen, their digital black bag, what do we expect to see? Right? We don't expect to see something like, um, I don't know, um, give me something, uh, a diaper cream right? We don't expect to the diaper cream in there, but these EHRs, sometimes you'll have diaper cream mixed with an EKG machine over here. Uh, just everything's there. So that has been a big challenge and, and it's caused an increased requirement of training and things like that. And Bobby will talk a little bit more about it. But I think also just when we take some of these key features, uh, we as in a healthcare system that purchases large EHRs or technology, what, what I see a lot of times is just the sparse communication, change management, it's not a thing at some healthcare system. They try. We really try. For example, send out an email, uh, create a tip trick you know sheet so that the position knows what's new, what's hot, what's coming. You know, but those those just it's just not effective. I just saw an email come out the other day. Large system in the north northwest was asking, hey, what do you all do about this, this and that? You know, basically about when you get an upgrade when it comes in. And let's say it's a pretty cool feature that the physicians have been asking for to help them streamline their day, get home sooner. Well, the real question is, how do we then take that enhancement, get it in, test it outright, push it into production so that the doctors can then use it? Well, that's easy. Not easy, but that's that's doable. What's hard is the communication, okay, saying why we did that feature. Why did we move this button over here and put this button here? Even though you've been asking for it, it's in the middle of a workday. You get it? And so sometimes it can be a lot, very off-putting when some of these things happen and the physicians aren't aware, the patients see them as they're not competent, but they are, the buttons just moved, things like that. So a lot of these things happen. And like just, just I think that many healthcare organizations has, they have to stop communicating and start marketing this stuff. I can't tell you how much money we spend as health systems on not only the vendor, but the analysts, the manager, the trainers and all these other processes and tools right? But I find that they'll, uh, a very big enhancement, crucial to patient care. It'll go into the software. It'll be there. But the notification to the physicians, it may not be optimal. They don't, they may not even know it's in there yet. So they continue to do it the old way,
1: you know? So
2: I'll stop there. Bobby, you got some other things to add? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no, that's exactly right. And the EHRs, many of them have done a great job of taking that massive menu Uh, that they uh, threw out there and start organizing it and getting it in in areas that are easier to read, easier to understand. Uh, But every time they do that, that's a change. As David said, it may Mm -hmm. be an improvement. It may be vastly improved from what it was, but somebody still has to be able to communicate that and help them understand that, When they're now looking for cheese grits, where they used to look at cheese and grits and they had to order them separately, guess what? We now have this one common order called cheese grits that you can now order, and it's under our, you know, side dishes, and it's no longer under your main course. Or it's now moved up as an appetizer because we're really famous for our cheese grits. All that is well and good. It's well-intentioned. It's well-designed. Most of the time it's well implemented from a change management software development standpoint, it's usually just poorly communicated and poorly trained. And that's mm-hmm. what we've seen that's over right. and over again mm-hmm. in the industry is that you know yeah. training gets the very last thing to go out when you know, it's on the front lines and it's the first thing that people think of and remember. Bobby,
2: mm-hmm. it reminds me of when Epic, I remember Epic came out with something called chart search, right? This is a really slick feature. Everyone's waiting on chart search. Think about it as um, Google for your patient's entire chart. So if you've been seeing a patient for five years, that's a lot of information, right? And so when they come in, and you want to know, well, when was the last time you had a tetanus shot? Like, ah, uh, or when was the last this? Or they get seen in the hospital and the records in there, it's digital, but that hospital record is really thick. So you want to know, like, well, the patient may say, well, the doctor said it came into the hospital, and said I had a murmur or something. Like, whoa, a murmur, that's a big deal. But you can't see a document anywhere else. So how do you find out if that's solid or not? Chart search, boom, it hits it like a laser, right? Well, here's the deal. It came out five, six years ago. So just the other day, well, no, last week I was speaking with a client, a large pediatric client, 200 uh, some docs across in the South. Only 40, only 10% of the, all of those docs ever heard or used chart search. Okay, and then uh, you go to uh, in the Midwest. There's a hundred doctor uh, group up there that I was working with, 42% of them use it, right? And that's high end for usage of chart search. That's laughable to a layman if they heard that say like, hey, you know? <laughs> and so that's where we are. It's like a powerful tool, but didn't get communicated effectively with the right workflow. That's the thing. You can't just come up and tell a doc, hey, there's a cool tool chart search. Okay, next, get out of here, kid, next. No, say, like, oh, <laughs> doc, there's a cool tool that should save you a lot of time. Now I'm listening, right? You got to say, what's the whip them? What's in it for me, right? Because docs right now, docs are busy. They don't have time for bad software. They have antibodies to bad software because they've been getting it for a long time, okay? So you really got to bring it. When You you better bring it when you're saying, hey, we got something cool. It better be spot on. It better fix a need that they have or keep it. And that's what most docs are going to tell you, okay? Bobby, you've probably been at the front line of that, <laughs> training docs on some <laughs> cool stuff, but-
0: yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, so that Bobby. That's an
2: example that I thought that came to mind around that, you know, and these things are critical because it helps doctors with burnout. Remember, burnout is a big deal. The technical yes. part of burnout, I think it's number three, two and three reasons for burnout. It's multifactorial, but having bad software as humans, we know when we get on our iPhones now, the interruptions, yes. the notifications, the new stuff. I just want to check my email, right? Or I just want to go to Instagram. Now, if this was your tool... Right to care for patients, and all of a sudden you open it, and you got a lot of distraction and things there. That's a big deal. So I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah, no, the, you bring up a a very good point. I mean, mm-hmm. just the latest technology is 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 it's fascinating, but it's also very time consuming. We're
2: over teched, We're over teched. We are on America <laughs> and dumped on the world. Now we got to figure it all out. And the, I love to protect our sacred docs and the clinical frontline staff from all that if we can. And that's there lies the road.
0: Absolutely. Well, Bobby, you you previously led Epic Education and Support at a a large health system before you joined Uperform, um, you know, where you've worked with some of the leading health systems in the country. You know, what effects does, you know, this initial and ongoing training that we're starting to get into here, you know? what does that have on increasing ehr efficiency and satisfaction i know dr Bartley, you, you've brought up some multiple points but i like to uh how do you how do you view this bobby from maybe a Yeah i mean i used to think
1: that i was just parochial um you know i'm responsible for training therefore it's important right mm-hmm. um fortunately studies have now shown that you know it's just not my ego that's uh, that's saying it uh class Hymns, even. Uh, yeah. you, know, you guys at Millennium Alliance have been on the forefront of uh, uh, trying to uh, educate uh, users and educate uh, uh, organizations. Training is not just an afterthought, uh, training has a direct correlation to satisfaction with the EHR. Uh, if you've taken a look at uh, the studies that have listened to providers and identified where they're struggling, as David said, burnout, it's the top two, three uh, items on the top 10 list for a burnout on there. Uh, class shows that they uh, half of the success of the EHR is attributed to training. training. Well, mm-hmm. I know that if I had a success factor that was represented 50% of my success uh, in any initiative whatsoever, I would focus on that uh, success factor. It would that could, um, sure be a uh, uh, priority for my organization mm-hmm. uh, going on. And that's where training is. So uh mm-hmm. training can no longer be a uh, afterthought. Where it has, the numbers are off the chart. We have clients that uh have utilized and implemented a very strong training, initial training and onboarding support, and their users are in a, you know double digit, uh more satisfied than other users. I know Bobby says I'm gonna steal his thunder here. He uh, brought something up for training last uh five years, and he gave some good examples of that.
2: Oh yeah, I know. And that class class proved that. I mean they they they've done the studies and looked at it. And I think Taylor and those guys at class really do a good job, bang up job with that stuff. So uh yeah, no, it's a it's real, but it's one of those things that I don't know about. I mean, you could tell me, you know, this is a conversation. I tend to wax philosophical sometimes, but I just feel like I I I hope that healthcare system hadn't just accepted it as ah, it's what it is. The doc's gonna be the doc, they'll suck it up. You know, that's what I don't want, but I feel there are some vibes in certain parts of the country like that, whether when we you go to offer them solutions because we know the docs are burned out. The docs say, hey, we, this would be something cool we'd like to look at. Oh, we don't have budget. We don't have budget. We don't have budget. It's not in the line item, not, right? So these are real things where, and the way healthcare makes money right now, it, just so folks understand, uh, patient comes in, see the doctor, 90 plus percent of finance, anything that goes to the healthcare system comes from that interaction. It could be the orders that we write for MRI, the referrals, this, then the nurse does this. So I'm not saying the doctor is the primary. I'm saying from a financial perspective, it's a really tight connection there. And so the happier your doctors are, the more efficient they are with the tools, right? That means even if you have to pull them offline and miss 10 patients, 10 times whatever number that is, that's a real dollar value to health systems. Pull them offline, train them the right way, give them good examples, workflow make sure the software make sure it's easy to get to what they want to get to right and then you'll see a difference but right now there's so much friction cognitive friction to do stuff inside the hr right there's a lot of it in there and so what the goal is going to be is for a healthcare system to really think about how they budget for the next year budget for optimization not just for go live right bobby you've heard this analogy before you know i always think about go lives, big implementation it's like having a baby right I mean, you know, everybody's expecting nine months going, everything, you know, everybody's excited, excited, excited. The day of, you got cameras, pictures, everything there, everybody's excited. And uh, and then after that's all over, um, where are they? You know, and they call it, we call it go live and leave. That's what happened. The doc's like, wait, where are all the the cool vests that could help us out and all that, right? So these are real things that has happened. So now the question is one year out, the baby's waking up hungry. You got Bobby and me showing up. That's all you got.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, all you, you right. Get so,
1: you get the drip, right? Yeah.
0: Let's let's cover yeah. this now. Because you Luckily know,
1: David's going to pay for his education. <laughs> I, <know. laughs>
2: I need the mom and daddy that budgeted for that us to come there, Bobby. We're just showing up on our
1: <laughs> yeah. So, hey,
0: this 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 is a nice segue into the next question. So, like you know, you know, we're we're having these troubles. How can technologies like like you perform help bridge that technological gap, that, that knowledge gap, that skills gap, uh, while making a substantial impact on the user experience, but more importantly, increasing that provider EHR satisfaction and taking away that part of the burnout for physicians?
1: Mm -hmm. I think that we need to recognize (laughs) is that technology training is different um, than clinical training. And in healthcare, we are so used to everybody from the doctors to the nurses, um, even, you know, down to the staff, uh, your support, your administrators, they've all are used to that structured clinical way of doing things almost like a university. Okay, I'm going to do this. And now I'm going to sit in class and I'm going to learn this and I've got a police professor and I'm going to go away. Mm. IT technology doesn't work that way. Learners have to know what they need to know now. They can't go wait until they go to class. They can't go to class and then go back and immediately use what they learn because studies show on technology learning that 90% of that learning is lost within the first 72 hours. So if we're doing that, Why? What we need to do is we need to deliver that learning and that help when, where, and how the user needs it. Not how it's effective for us to deliver it, not how it fits into our budgets to deliver it, not how we've always done it, not how any one organization says to do it. We need to take a look and listen to our users and say, listen, we will give you the tools inside the application where you are, when you need them, and ahead of time, we're going to communicate those changes and updates to you in a more efficient manner so that you're not getting alert fatigue. You know, what you need to know is coming. Then when it comes, you know where to go to get the help to continue on so that, as David calls about the guys invest, you have a virtual guy in a vest with you at all times. Right there. That's the key. And that's the way, uh, you know, the YouPerform platform, that's really our vision and what we're trying to deliver in the marketplace.
2: Yeah, you done like so. a really good job as far as that. And I think you guys have a you guys have a lot of. Uh, I mean, just uh, your your coverage right now. I think you cover all the HRS right now. I think you got over thirty something. You got yeah, they have a pretty good footprint right now. So they're not a rookie startup company out of Silicon Valley or anything like that. So I think that's the part. When I first uh, heard about Uperform, I was like, "What is this? What is this thing?" And when I saw it, I was like, "Okay, this is it. This is a real deal." When I say that, I'm not even pandering on this one, uh, because the biggest challenge that a lot of times with communicating to physician change management, right? Was well, let's say uh, I'm the CMIO, okay? Epic says, hey, we got a big upgrade coming. Okay, all the analysts, everyone, they're ready to scramble and doing everything. What well, they're going to upgrade as a CMIO and part, part of a council governance. We just, we're we're saying, what is it that we need to take? What will we take, right? And now those changes are going to affect workflow, right? Meaning if this changed for the doc, then it's also probably going to change for the nurse and change you know the downstream effect so these ehrs have roots man and so that's the thing that folks forget so we have it's a very delicate balance when you're trying to improve a workflow without jacking up something down the right way and what you perform does it's like almost like you just have embedded help like uh, this change click here oh that's nice used to be just like five years ago probably still in some organizations the trainers would buy a separate program. They'll take a screenshot of this, screenshot, screenshot, put a number one, two, do that, make it all pretty, doll it up, Treat PDF, find the internet site, put it on there, mail it out, like a lot of steps, right? And the tool you perform just cuts through all of that. And I think that was what I felt was really cool because now we can maximize our training staff, what they do, and we can better target those docs that need certain areas and not others. So exactly. I, you
1: know, so. Let the technology do what it does. Let the trainers do what they're best at, and that's uh, leading learners, leading mm-hmm. users, and uh, we call it bringing training to the users instead of users are training. Uh, so we can now mm-hmm. utilize the knowledge of those uh, uh, trainers and our subject matter experts at the elbow or in direct contact with the uh, user as a coach. Rather Mm -hmm. than standing up in a classroom, people who are going to forget what I said five minutes after I say it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And
0: not to mention,
1: most uh, healthcare systems, but I don't know how
2: the infirmary was, but Sutter, Secours, Texas Children, I think all the places I've worked as a uh, physician, a lot of the intranet sites inside of those, they're not, they don't have Google search in there. Okay, so, so things can be all over the place so those are also just some rate limited steps why positions don't even go out to look for certain things we'll just push through it or ask our buddies or something like that so yeah yeah exactly
0: well i mean this is this is such an awesome chat with you guys uh, i feel like we should do this at least once a week let's get it going <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I want I want to one of the things that we do on Millennium Live before we uh, wrap up is to kind of get your thoughts on what the future future looks like. And, you know, you could have a million different thoughts about how healthcare should look. But, you know, you know, to the both of you, you know, looking, you know, in the immediate future, about three to five years time, you know, what does the future of of technology adoption When it comes to the EHR, you know, when it comes to utilization, um, what does this look like in healthcare going forward? Uh, Dr. Butler, we could start with you and then Bobby, you can add in uh, your thoughts as well.
2: Oh, man. Um,
0: And you have 30 seconds. uh, 30 seconds? (laughs) No, no. no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Are you saying I'm verbose? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. All right. No, so I don't know. I I
2: think I think two to three years out, it's that's a long time in my head because so many things are moving so fast right now. So for me to make a prediction, but I mean generally you're gonna see a lot more things that are automated, right? Whether it's a in basket message to a physician that's gonna go somewhere else, and maybe not even to the staff, you're gonna It'll be outsourced to either another human somewhere that's sharp at that, whatever, or a, one of these new AI-based tools, chatbots, or things like that. That's just hot right now the past three weeks, four weeks. And so I can already see the potential. And I'm seeing in the healthcare ver- c- circles, we're chatting it up, talking, no pun intended, we're, we're chatting it up too, you know? So that's really <laughs> cool. But I think also just the, the move from in-hospital care to in-home care, you got... You know hospital at home programs right where um they're showing really good numbers as being uh, just as effective and decrease infection rates and all this other stuff if you could do it at home have folks in your house do this with remote patient monitoring tools you know um they got all sorts of really cool tools. a lot of the digital health things that are going on right now it's only going to get amplified um i think from a, a physician workforce perspective uh, There's just gonna, I don't know. That that's a really interesting space right now because many folks are not choosing to go into healthcare, at least physician level. And so, what does that look like, space, especially in primary care? You know, so maybe projections are saying uh, PA's, nurse practitioners may start capturing a lot more of the primary care type stuff, whether it's in person, virtual. Hopefully, a lot of this is more virtual, right? Um, so you don't have to be. In front of someone, you know, but sometimes, you know, just as a doc, the physical exam is priceless. So I think that that's something that we as physicians will have to kind of figure out, like, you know, we can't have the full physical exam. We've had to figure out during COVID, you know, so these are all things that will continue. Right. And, uh, and I just, I feel like that's just where it's going. More workflow automation, Um, uh, better uh, parsing out what the doc should do, what the nurse should do, what the MA should do, what the front office should do, what the back office should do, things like that. And I think just better working like a pit crew with automation in there. So I don't know, that's my take right now as best I can uh, predict
1: it. Bobby, what do you think? Yeah, and I I think you're exactly right. I think the the future is uh, virtual. uh, We're looking at the same thing from a training learning standpoint of using AI, using creating that virtual assistant Uh, that is anticipatory, you know, can watch David's expressions and by camera and see him scratching his head, you know, shaking his head, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what he's supposed to do next. But being able to interact with the uh, uh, virtually, I think will be really important to extend that real time just in need, uh, so that they have not only, you know, a written document or video or something in front of them, they've actually got a Alive or even a AI augmented person, which is actually technology that is coming of age now that yeah. has some empathy and can, uh, you know, understand them and communicate right back with them in there. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, virtual is going to be the uh, the future. We may not like it uh, in mm-hmm. some areas. We've got things mm-hmm. to figure out, as Dave says uh, on it. How do we get the touch uh, yeah. aspects to it, the physical aspects uh, worked out? Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, you know, from training and from healthcare. Uh, providing it's going to be virtual.
0: Well, I I want to thank uh, the both of you, Bobby. Thanks for uh, your time today and and talking about you perform and being a a healthcare technology pioneer. I'm also aware that you're a veteran of the United States Army. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Uh, and, uh, David, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for all your insight and uh, how you're committed uh, to fixing the U.S. healthcare system and uh, and really, truly guiding organizations through this rapidly changing landscape that we're talking about here and the digitizing healthcare delivery. So, Dr. David Butler, uh, Bobby Czar, thank you for joining the Millennium Live podcast. Uh, this has been a great conversation and hope we can do this again in the future.
1: Thanks so much. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Look
0: forward to it. Also want to shout out uh, the UPerform platform. If you do uh, have any interest in uh, in exploring further, uh, we'll have the information included in the link of this episode. And you can also learn more by going to youperform.com.